0: So yes, as Chris said, you know, we're jumping into a sermon series called Yet Here We Are. I'm excited to do that. First of all, I just want to welcome you to Gospel Community Church this morning. Uh, glad to have each and every one of you here. And know that you're not here because God is trying to get your attention, but because God has your attention already. And we're going to capitalize on this time together as a family and dive into God's Word to see what He's going to speak to us today. Now, before I really get into diving into the sermon, uh, I, I just want to start. Um, this was, man, see, I'm getting emotional already. I cry all the time. I'm sorry. Uh, I just want to start by telling you guys thank you. Um, like why, what, why, why am I telling you thank you? Uh, this is such a privilege and a sacred trust that you guys would allow me uh, as a leader here at Gospel Community Church. Um, that you allow my wife, Jessica, here as a leader at Gospel Community Church and, and our family uh, you know, Roman Jess Roman Ella, um, that that we all have this part in ministering to each and every one of you. Um, that that we're able to minister to you in those moments where life seems to be dark and dreary, and when you're see, when you're searching and seeking out what well, God's purpose is for you, that we get to share in those times with you. That we get to minister to you. That we get to share in the good times with you. Um, the fact that I'm able to be up here week in and week out, uh, whether it's preaching the Word of God or leading in worship, is nothing to take for granted, and this is such a privilege and a great joy, and I just thank you guys for that. Uh, as talked about before, uh, I like to, you guys to be an active part and uh, being engaged in the sermon. And so, you know, when Pastor Britton was here from Ecclesia Church, he did something that I really just liked and enjoyed. And, and when we read God's Word together, he had everybody stand up and read God, as we read God's Word. So I'm going to ask you today to stand up as we read God's Word today. Um, to me, I don't know why it just struck me, but it, it, you know, when you meet somebody, when you come to meet somebody, you stand up, you shake their hand. It's kind of a sign of respect, and I just love that, and it just really spoke to me. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand up as we read God's Word today. We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. So if you've got your Bible or if you just want to read it up On the screen, that's fine. Sorry, I've got a bit of a, a cold going on today, so my voice sounds kind of funny. But here we go. So in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. This is God's Word. Let's pray, and then you can have a seat. Father God, thank you so much for just bringing us all here together today, God, to hear your Word. And I pray today, God, as you speak, God, that you would speak through me, that you would use me, God, and speak to the hearts of the people here at Gospel Community Church. I thank you for this calling, God, and I just uh, say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and have a seat. So today's sermon... Uh, I've titled it The Promise and the Purpose. I shouldn't say I titled it The Promise and the Purpose. In getting this sermon series put together, um, Chris Polito did a great work on putting it all together, and he titled it The Promise and the Purpose, so I'm not going to steal that thunder from you. But it's called The Promise and the Purpose, and, and today we're going to dive into what that means and what that looks like in these, these first verses in Acts 1-11. through 11. And, and so we're going to first dive into The Promise. And I'm going to do things a little backwards and I've got a chronological big study Bible. And as I was going through it and reading and reading all the notes and how they have it laid out, they have you know Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 and the ascension of Jesus and then after that it gets into Acts 1 through 3. So we're going to start with verses 4 and 5. And those were saying, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. First of all, Jesus is back. He's back, and he appears to the apostles. And I'm going to jump into, I didn't put these verses up uh, on purpose, but because I just wanted to flow and and not have everybody trying to look up the verses. But Luke 24, 44 through 49 says, This is when Jesus was back. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus is it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So Jesus is back and he's sitting with the apostles and here in Luke's account he talks about that promise and then we get into the the account uh, or the the Acts account which same writer, Luke and he says Jesus has made a promise and that promise is the Holy Spirit and he tells them then, wait here. And I love the, the picture of the Trinity in this moment where they're talking about God the Father man, God the Father The promise of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is the one talking about it all. So we get this picture of the the Trinity in this moment. And that promise, that promise he makes of the Holy Spirit. And and the question I'm going to ask is, can we trust in God's promises? (laughs) Amen. So, can we trust in God's promises? So we're going to get a little more into some of God's promises. Let me see here. Man, I have my notes out of order here. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get into, into God's promises, and, and we're going to talk about you know those promises a little bit. I'm still feeling like I'm missing something here. Okay, nope, I'm not. My brain's just goofy. So we're going to talk a little bit about verses 6 and 7. So when they had come together, they asked him, "'Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel?' And and he said to them, "It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem, and all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth." And I love like as they're sitting there, and Jesus comes and talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing, first thing that the disciples go to is, "God, are you coming to restore the kingdom?" They don't even, like, they completely overpass that promise that Jesus is talking about. Like, hey, are you going to come restore Israel, like, to its true power? And, and, you know, what they were looking for in a Savior. Sorry, I sound like a kid going through changes right now. <laughs> but what they were looking for in a Savior, in their Messiah, that, uh, an earthly kingdom. And, and Jesus came and he said, like, no, that's not the kingdom I come to bring. And, and Jesus, uh, he, he, like, gently and kindly addresses them. And he immediately draws them back to that promise. Jesus reminds them, like, kindly and gently, hey, this is God's timetable. He knows when this is going to happen. He has everything in plan, but let's talk about the Holy Spirit. And just for a minute, like, as I think about what the disciples did, I know I'm guilty of, like, wanting to know what God has in store for me right now. And I can relate to, like, their excitement of knowing, wanting to know what Jesus like, has in store for them. Because I very much so live in the here and now, and I want things to happen here and now, and I want the change to happen here and now. But God thinks eternally. He thinks of the whole picture. He looks at the, the whole picture. He has the whole picture in mind. And Jesus addresses this, and, and then he brings them back to the promise. So we're going to talk about a few promises, but before we talk about the promises that God makes, I'm going to tell you some things that God says about His promises. Psalm 91.4, if you want to look it up, it says, He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Psalm 145.13, For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. Psalm 146, 6. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. So real quick, if you're writing those down, it was Psalm 91, 4. Psalm 145, 13. And Psalm 146, 6. I need to get a drink real quick. So we're going to talk about some other promises that God has made. I'm going to talk about Moses for a little while. And, and Moses and the Israelites were led out of Egypt. They were on the run, and they come to the Red Sea. And when they come to the Red Sea, God told Moses, raise your hand. And when Moses did this, God parted the water part of the waters. Exodus fourteen twenty one says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. The Lord used this strong wind, and it's very clear. Like when they went through, they didn't go through like trucking through mud, and and you're sinking. You know that black, dirty mud when you go like to the lake or something, and it's stinky and and gross? They weren't trudging through this black, dirty, stinky mud. It said they went through on dry land. And as they were going through, they were being chased down by the Egyptian army and and Pharaoh, and and they were going after them. And and as as they were chasing them down, in the text, God did something. God tells, uh, God caused confusion among the Egyptians. They're, they're getting all confused and they're running into each other. And as the, this is going on, the Israelites are still just trucking forward, bah, 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 going through and getting away from the Egyptians. And as this confusion is happening, it says it, the, the, the Egyptians cried out, like, Let's get out of here! God's fighting for them. Their Lord is fighting for them. And, and so they're trying to get out of there. And as the Israelites make it to the other side, and I never, like, I love when I read the Bible and I'm preparing for sermons and stuff, different things always jump out to me. And I didn't realize, that, like, when they get over to the other side, uh, Moses stands there and God says, Raise your hand out over the, over the sea. And he, get, he raises his hand out back over the sea, and boom, the waters come crashing back together. The Israelites are drowned. Um, They were, you know, they were freed. They were delivered. And and as they were, like, as we were, they were on the the run. And, and like, as I was looking into, like, some of, like, what the Red Sea, like, there's people that that kind of believe that, you know, there's a time of year where the Red Sea kind of dries up, and they found this channel, and, and... no, like that water was deep enough to cover and drown the Egyptians. God's word says that he brought a strong wind from the east, very specific about where it came from, brought this strong wind and like caused these waters to split and dried it all up. And the only explanation, like the God who created the heavens and the earth, it can't be explained by something like, that, that science can grasp onto. The only way to explain it is that it was a mighty miracle to fulfill for- Fulfill the promise of deliverance for his people. So we're going to, now we're going to talk. We're going to look at another promise. So this is a promise of deliverance. This next one is is the walls of Jericho. If you're not for miracle, for miracle? Famir, familiar, 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 familiar with the walls of Jericho. If you're not familiar, man, I'm sure I'm familiar with the story of the walls of Jericho. Uh, what's happening is this is Moses' like predecessor, his, uh, you know, was his apprentice, I guess. and Joshua is leading the people now, after Moses is gone, and Joshua is leading the people. And after wandering, the Israelites wandering in 40 years in the wilderness, you know this is a new generation. A new generation arises. And they're ready to enter the promised land, which was uh, called Canaan. So God prepares Moses' predecessor. And, and you read in the book of Joshua, he, he's preparing them by teaching them the importance of courageous and consistent faith. So in the first nine verses in the book of Joshua, if you, if you go there and read it, it's three times in, in nine verses God says, to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And this verse 9 we have uh, up on uh, Romolo's wall on a little canvas. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be dismayed or discouraged, for I am with you wherever you go. So God tells them, be strong and courageous. I am with you. So now it leads to the walls of Jericho, and they, you know, the first thing they do, which was big and, and exciting, is they cross the Jordan River, and they come to Jericho, and this is the first city they approach on their quest to take the promised land. And, and the Jerichoans, How, what would you guys say, the Jerichoites? What? <laughs> I don't know what you'd say, but they know that this is coming. They, they get word that, that something is coming, and they got this place locked up tight, And so, Joshua, I'm going to read Joshua 6, 1 through 5, about how they're going to take Jericho. So it says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. So they know that this is coming and they're just kind of hiding and scared. And, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. With its king and mighty men of valor, you shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So, before I get into like the why of this command, like I just imagine being one of those soldiers. Like When I read these stories like this, I, I, I try and put myself in their shoes, and, and of what's going on, and, and, and in the shoes of Joshua, just to kind of you know, get the emotions going of what's going on here, and it, it kind of sounds like this bizarre battle plan. You're going to, for six days, you're going to take everybody in the priest, and you're going to march around one time. Like, you're sitting there, and, and, and as one of them soldiers, you're just marked, like, first day comes, and you're all psyched for battle. You know, like, I think about, like, when my fight, like, when I was psyched up, like, these guys are all psyched for battle, and then they got to go oh man, there's day one. We got to do this five more times? So they do this, and they're marching around. They do this for six days, and on the seventh day, God says, march around six times, and on the seventh time, the priests are going to blow their horns, and everybody's going to let out a shout, and the, it's all going to come tumbling down. And like, I imagine like for six days... You're kind of like, man, this is kind of silly. Like, why are we doing this, Joshua? Are you sure that's what God said? Have you been drinking? Like, what's going on here? And so they're marching around. And, and imagine with me, like, you're on that fifth time marching around. And on that sixth time marching around, like, you're like, okay. I'm starting to feel it. Like, you're, ready. you're getting ready for battle. Your heart starts pumping. Your heart starts racing. And you're, you're marching around. And you get to that seventh time around where he says to, to let that, uh, you know, they're going to make that loud, long blast of the ram's horn. And, and when the trumpet sounds, I want you all to shout and the, the wall of the city will fall down. And so you get on that seventh time and you're marching around and you get there and, and you complete it. And they, they let the horns go and you cry out your battle cry. And it's just like, boom, everything falls down. You're prepared for battle. And, you know, the, the whole thing when God says this, it says it very, in the very beginning of these verses. Let me find it real quick. See, I have given Jericho into your hand. So God tells him to do this as a test of faith. And the, the battle would depend on God. It wasn't, what they, it wasn't necessarily what they were going to do, but it was a test of faith, and the battle would tend, depend on God and this promise of victory that God has made. Now, these are just, just two uh, short, small examples of promises of God. As you read through your Bible, God has lots of promise. And when promised the Holy Spirit, and just hearing these two stories of God's promises... And if you know, if, if like as I'm talking about these, you're thinking about other of God's promises. Just knowing these two stories and God's track record of his promises. Does this sound like the promise of the Holy Spirit is a promise we can trust? So what is in this promise? In verse 8, Jesus uses the word Power. The Holy Spirit has power. And I was thinking about things that he has power over and fear. He has power over fear, meekness, and shyness, and our inabilities and our inferior lives. And he takes that fear and moves it into courage. And as I was prepping my sermon and I wrote down like fear to courage, man, it broke me for some reason. Like, what am I so afraid of? What do I need courage for? And it's this all these built-up things that I have in my own head of expectations that I feel like people have of me, but it's all this, this stuff that I put on myself, and God gives me the courage through His Holy Spirit. When we think about you know, this meekness and shyness we have, and God says, be strong and courageous and and. and when we're wanting to share the gospel, oftentimes we can be meek, we can sh- be shy, and that Holy Spirit brings a boldness to us. He gives us the words to speak, and, and he, he guides us along those ways. And, and, and what we think we have inabilities in, God makes us able And when we feel like we're inferior and we have no power or control, God, if you're, you're tormented by, uh, by demons or whatever it might be, you have the authority to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave. You have authority over that through the Holy Spirit. So that's a little bit about this, the, the promise and what is in this promise. And now we're going to see what happens next. And this part strikes me because, uh, like I've said before, I kind of think like I'm a a -a dirt-to-dirt. So what happens next? Jesus ascends into heaven. And one thing, like the disciples needed to see this happen because when they saw that happen, they knew without a doubt that Jesus was who he said he was. And this is what I picture when this happens. Like, I'm like that kind of dummy, and they stand in awe. Like, they're just standing there staring. Like, you know what Oh, man. And they just get kind of caught up, and they're standing in awe, and the angels come, and they tell them, like, what are you doing? Quit standing around. If, if we go back to the, the verses, let me find it real quick. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And the angels tell them to go. And in Luke's account, when they went, they went and they, or or after the the angels like break them of their, like just, oh man, that was awesome. The angels break them of this. It says, Luke's account, they began praising him. They began worshiping him. And then they ran into Jerusalem and they went in the temple. And it said that they were blessing God in the temple. And the angel said something there at the end, like you. In the same way you saw him go, he is coming. Where is it? Verse eleven. This Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into. I saw him going to heaven. I, yeah, you get what I'm saying, right? Is it up there? Yeah. No, see, you're good. <laughs> so they say they tell him something like, "Quit standing off." He is coming again. History is not cyclical, just going around and around, and we are not like, just keep hap- the same things keep happening again and again. We are moving to a specific point, and that point is the second coming of Jesus. He is coming again. Let's not get caught in the staring God calls us into action. Now we're going to backtrack to verses 1 through 3. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Drink. So now, now that we're we're kind of backtracking and going back to these verses one through three, like I said before, I like to put myself in in the shoes of the writer or whatever's going on. Consider the change the moment they saw Jesus when they were sitting there and Jesus appeared to them. Consider the change that might have immediately happened. This was before the, the Holy Spirit even, you know, God sent the Holy Spirit. Consider this change when they saw Jesus physically there. In that moment, there were no more doubts. They were no longer in fear. They were no longer running. When Jesus died, they were scattered. They didn't know what to do. They were confused. They were lost. And in that moment, they became fearless. In that moment, they decided to risk everything to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. They faced imprisonment. They faced beatings. They were martyred. They were murdered. They were killed. Yet, here we are today. I ask you guys this. Would they, or would you, risk so much in something that was made up or you didn't fully believe in? Would you risk, would they have risked so much if it was something that didn't really happen, that was made up? They were killed for it. Do you think they took that risk for something that was made up? Do you think they took that chance? Like, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to start this giant church and it's going to be awesome. Like, we, we learned in our last series, or in our Advent series, like, there's a moment when they talked about, like, One of the Pharisees says, hey, no, this is going to die out. Like, don't worry about it. Like, remember these people that did this? It's going to all die out, and we don't have to worry about it. But they took the risk because it wasn't something that wasn't made up. It was something that they fully believed in. And that's a question, like, I ask myself, and I'm asking you, will you risk it? Will you risk it to tell people how Jesus stretched out his hands? on the cross. How he took it all when he was hanging there. He stretched out his hands on the cross and he had this promise of deliverance. How Jesus fights your battles and he has declared victory and you now stand in his love. That's what I'm asking you guys to do, to risk it, to take the chance And I wanted to get a little bit of engagement on this. So by raise of hands, who here all has Facebook? Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. Who all here is a part of the Gospel Community Church page? Okay, most of the same people that raise their hands. If you're not, search Gospel Community Church. And I just want some engagement because I want to use part of this for for next week's sermon because I'm going to be preaching next week's as well, and after that will be Chris. But I want to use. I want to hear your stories, and one way we saw last week is we had everybody's testimony. You know, everybody come up and share their testimonies. Um, I just got to say, I'm gonna brag on my wife a little bit, real quick. As she shared her testimony, I was like, "Dang, she is good at this!" Like uh, I told her that over this week and how how well she did. I'm like, I'm gonna start having you help me with my sermons because. I am a terrible communicator, and sometimes I say things, and I don't know what I'm saying, and they don't come out right. But, you know, it was great to hear uh, her testimony. And I'll be honest, I was a little jealous because, you know, when I preach, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome, and, and people are engaged. And and she sh- I've never had somebody, like, come up and say anything about, like, hey, that was a good sermon, uh, thank you for that, or or get a text or, or something like that. She got a text from that that later later that afternoon from somebody talking about how it moved uh, moved them. And I was like, man, you did this one time and you're getting all this engagement and I've been trying to get, you know. And so it was just awesome. But I want you guys to take this, this kind of this Facebook challenge. I'm going to do it. Uh, I hope, Tony, you don't even have Facebook, so you're going to have to, you know, <laughs> you're going to have to get up on that. But this Facebook challenge, to get on the Gospel Community Church page, And just share a little bit about your story. That's one of the easiest ways to be able to share the gospel with somebody. To talk about that deliverance and victory. So I'm going to ask you guys this week to get on the Gospel Community Church page. We'll start a thread. Share your story. And and I just want to see and hear what God has done. And, and, And one of the things we're supposed to be doing as pastors is equipping you to share the gospel. And what does that look like? Some people may not have ever shared their story. And just simply sitting down, it doesn't have to be long, drawn out. It doesn't have to be full of like, oh, it can just be simple. Like, here's what God did. Here's how he's delivered me. And here's, here's how, I, you know, he's proclaimed victory in my life. And just share your story. And we want to start kind of getting you in that mode of sharing the gospel with other people. Because that's how the good news of Christ is, is spread You know, yet here we are today, of all that stuff that happened. These guys were not shy about their faith. They moved, they had the power of the Holy Spirit, and pray that God would use that. Pray while you're doing it, pray through it, because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And even though it's scary and you don't want to share with other people, you don't want to let people in because you're an introvert and you don't want people to know you, but share your story. It's a great way to begin just that, that initial way of, of sharing the gospel with others. So I'm going to ask you guys to do that this week. I know it sounds hard. I know it sounds scary, but I would love to see it. I mean, you guys hear my story all the time. You, you've heard Chris's story. You've heard Tony's story. But we're going to all get on, and we're going to share it. And I just would love to see you guys all do that You know, this week. So let's pray, and then we're going to take up communion. And we're going to get jump back into some, some video worship. Father God, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your victory. Thank you for the deliverance, God. Thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit, God. I pray, God, as we um, take that challenge, God, that we would reside in your presence as we do it, God. That we would trust in you and trust how you will work in and through that, God. I pray today, God, that people would be moved by the Holy Spirit, God, that they would have that power of courage, of boldness, God. They would know that they would have the ability and the authority, God, to share your word, God. And I say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If we can have our ushers, we have all